Boom! From the 305 to the 303, this is TCSP. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Brian and the Cadbury Serious Band. Welcome to the Casually Serious Podcast. This is the mixtape, rocking with the classics. Yes. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I do a fair amount of air drumming to that, Ken. How about yourself? As a drummer, do you not do some air drumming without a good old riff? I do, but I, I usually bang on the desk, but it's really not conducive of microphones and stuff to be banging on a desk. So I tell um, you what, life hack, in case you didn't notice, when that clip is being played, if you look down on the bottom left of your screen, your, your mic will be muted. So you can do that all you want. Just make sure um, you get it done before we get back. Yeah, anyway, okay. Ken, I'll man. work on timing that. Welcome to the mixtape, rocking with the classics, man. If you could not tell by the description we put out on the videos and uh, the obvious, the obvious uh, things popping up in your face right now, yes, we are talking about classic rock today. Brian Smith, what is up, dude? Thanks for joining the comments section. Uh, we've got about ten or twelve people on hanging out right now, man. This is awesome, dude. Um, Ken, Good to see you, before we get started, man, how's how's it going, man? How's your week been? Wonderful, man. Doing beautiful here. Loving the weather here in Miami right now. This is why we live here at this time of year. We got to enjoy it while we can. The summer's coming. It's brutal. It's death. It's terrible. But right now, this is beautiful, man. Beautiful. Loving it. How about you, man? How are you doing over there? Good, man. And I, we actually got a bit of a break today. Uh, it was about 55 degrees. Actually, maybe closer to 60, 65, I'm being honest. It's what we call winter warm. <laughs> and uh, it's good. it was warm just enough for it to start uh snowing i think tomorrow again so it'll go oh, we go through these it's it's one of those things man it's like december uh, you know december Jan december january february is sort of like our winter and that's it like it doesn't really it doesn't get too heavy either for anybody who's freaking out about you know you thinking that it's like alaska out here in denver colorado mm -hmm. it is not it eskimos is not, man. man eskimos yeah, indeed. But yeah, as I said today, we're talking about some classic rock um, and, and really what the definition is, uh, depending on who you are, you'll probably hear a lot of different definitions. Speaking of classic rock, we might as well just bring in our guest right now. Uh, you might have seen him a couple other times on this podcast, if not the Square Grouper podcast. Welcome the man, the myth, the legend, Riles. What's up, Bill? What's up, Bill? What's going on? How you doing, brother? Good, man. Fuck your weather, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, dude. I didn't force you to go to Colorado. You left on your own remission, so it's not on me, man. Not yes, on me. I did. <laughs> and my wife in the kitchen's laughing too because she forced me. <laughs> oh well, I'll tell you what. We all, we all, everybody in the immediate family had their fair share of forcing Bill to come out here. I know me and my wife definitely were championing that shit. So <laughs> best thing I ever yeah. did, other than marry my wife. Oh, you are a smart man with that comment. So anyway, Bill, as we were talking about, we're we're talking about classic rock, and I think what we're going to go ahead and preface that by saying is what we call classic rock, because uh, as the later generations go, that might morph. As a matter of fact, uh, ear to the ground, I think I've uh, I think I've been told that there's some other bands that I don't consider to be classic rock that are now being considered classic rock. We won't go into that just yet. 
Um, but what we're going to definitely do is start at the beginnings of it because there's obviously there's roots to all of this. And, you know, we don't want to necessarily go back to the beginnings of rock and roll because we really already touched on that. Uh, we're talking about what we call classic rock and there, and there's going to be different definitions to that, but we're going to try and narrow that down. Uh, I know that for our, our generation, uh, the genera generation X, we're probably going to consider between 60 and 79, 81 to be the classic rock zone for us, but it could kind of slide back. It could slide forward. It depends on the music, but uh, Ken, you've got some history right now, man. So lay some of that on us, man. Well, I mean, like you touched on when it comes to classic rock, um, it's interesting because it's a, it's a label that's basically put on rock bands. I mean, at the end of the day, there's no rock band that starts out saying, Hey man, we're going to be the greatest classic rock band ever. It just doesn't happen. Obviously they're rock bands. And as their music gets older, obviously, we get to the point where we have to decide, okay, these are now classic rock songs. And I believe that, or classic rock bands, but I believe it more comes to the songs themselves. The songs become anthems and the songs become timeless. And then at that point, it really doesn't matter so much the band that produced those songs, it's the song itself. And if it had staying power, both when it came out originally, if it hit the mainstream or not, and when you talk about classic rock, you're talking about a lot of music that came mostly from blues. And this is American rock. This is British rock. You can take things as far back as you want, like Bob discussed. But, you know, for our talking here, classic rock is going to be pretty much from the kind of Vietnam era up into, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. And the boom of that generally being the late 60s into the early mid 70s. Um, for, again, what we would call classic rock for, for our Gen X group. Um, but yeah, there's bands like Aerosmith, who's made music in the 70s and made music in 2000s. And their music in the 70s is iconic, you know, Dream On, Sweet Emotion. These are, these are anthems. They're timeless. They're going to be played forever, but not necessarily as music that they made in the 2000s. Them as a band will be described as a classic rock band, but not necessarily is their entire entire catalog going to be remembered as much as those certain anthems well. So be it Aerosmith or be it a one-hit wonder, that's generally where I feel that classic rock gets its label is those songs and also the time in which they were played. So when we get when we talk about Vietnam era music, for me. It's going to be Creedence Clearwater Revival, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Birds. These are these are classic rock bands that were talking about what was happening at that time. In Vietnam, we had a, a lot of Americans, younger Americans, that were being forced to go to war by a, generally a group of older Americans that were in charge of what we were going to of what they were going to do. That backlash created a lot of music, and of course, uh, that music became mainstream. So it wasn't just that there were young people listening and promoting this music and buying this music and going to listen to these bands live and going to these shows. You had mainstream folks listening to it because of what was being said and it was pertinent at the time. That made classic rock or rock at that time become a more mainstream music and these songs to become more iconic for why we hear them today and remember those. For people our age, not necessarily old enough to have gone to serve in Vietnam, we appreciate the music, but for people older than us that did serve, uh, that music means even more to them. Well, let's get a little clip of what happened back then. Right. 
man. Love CGR, <laughs> they just man. jam ass. They're just so good, man. And a song about God. Vietnam. Yep. Yep. Probably got- the Quincy, you know, that song, uh, you know, War um, obviously is a big song. Um, you know, Ohio, obviously a big song. These are songs people remember that will immediately will relate to Vietnam. Right. Obviously, pop culture, cinema, there's a lot that played into the, to the training of us adding or connecting those two dots, if I'm being honest. But again, you know, we know that I definitely think of Nam, you know, early 70s when I think of CCR, you know, that's just it's I think it's one of those automatic things. Um, Bill, I you know, I, you know, growing up with Riles over here, there's a lot of bands that that were flying through on vinyl in our house. There's one band in particular that I know Bill fucking latched onto very, very early. And I remember him having massive, massive collections of audio tapes of this band in concert. Um, and uh, that band was Zeppelin. Bill, go ahead and go off a little bit on on the love you had for that band, because I know I know for a fact that was obsession. Yeah. Yeah, no obsession. doubt. I used to hunt down live shows on cassette, live eight millimeter 16 millimeter silent footage on VHS I would buy on a black the black market just to see. Yeah, it, it was a pretty obsessive time for me. I, I just I just loved Zeppelin's live shows. They would go out and play three, three and a half hours, like Rush, kind of like Rush, uh, at a very a much more heavier level. Of course, not as technical as Rush, but they gave you all the nine dollars and fifty cents your concert ticket. <laughs> How old were you, Bill, when you got into into Led Zeppelin? Do you remember like what age you started getting into a eight. band like that? Eight. Wow. And what year was that? If you don't mind aging yourself. <laughs> that's awesome, man. So that's yeah. like the height of this music. I'm mean, just being able to to listen at that time is is incredible. Um, you know, we I came so far after the fact, but go please. I can't talk over Cashman. Jimmy <laughs> Page's heroin day. <laughs> Bonzo, baby. Bonzo, baby. Oh, Beast. just such a heaviness, man. Beast. Yeah. That's the mm. truth, man. And I, and I I know Zeppelin is definitely it, there's I believe there's probably I don't know if we could really compile a big if we could try and compile a big four of classic rock. That, see, that's because that's when we start getting into sort of that like, well, what do you call classic rock? Uh, I, I think we just explained really we're going to go from like 63, 64, 65 to about 80 and stop it for us. Um, the bands that I think of this is this is definitely a memory I think of when I think of um uh, classic rock. I think of my stepfather Tom saying, "Oh, you like these? Uh, you like uh, you know, Metallica? Yeah. You like all these other bands? <laughs> That's definitely one of them for sure. <laughs> you like these bands? Well, you got to check out this dude. <laughs> There's the man." <laughs> Dude, again, I've got to go ahead. I've got to remark right now that footage is incredible. 
take mark of where that is. You guys really need to go back and take a look at that and and save that because for that to be from when it was, man, and not to mention we just saw two dudes run up there with massive fucking cameras up there. Like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, man. I think that was obviously professionally done. It was mic'd up. It was was awesome. But, man, I I don't know, man. Jimmy, there's there's just so many bands that I think can encapsulate that whole – uh, that whole experience for me, I go back to sort of the, like my background, looking at um, listening to the first Boston album, um, you know, Kansas and, and all these other bands. And, you know, classic rock is like, you know, again, we, there's a reason why they call it classic rock. It's just one of those things that they kind of get embedded in American culture, um, regardless of whether they're an American classic rock bands, because there's obviously non-American classic rock bands. We just named a couple. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 it, it really has less to do with that and more exactly with what you said, to do with sort of that bluesy, that faster bluesy, heavy sound. Um, and it carried on for a long time, man. Uh, matter of fact, wow, that was a, a crazy segue. We can get to another clip real real fast. Uh, and we'll get into that, that later shot, too, from Maya Marina, which is... <laughs> mind-boggling how good that was but look at those shorts man <laughs> love them and the socks oh take it easy <laughs> take it easy dude <laughs> i don't quite remember that being is that the guy from man of war that he eventually he eventually went on to sing in man of war am i wrong is that the case i don't know that's some that's some that's some stuff right there, yeah. man. Holy shit! What the hell is up with that? He's greasy, the first dude. Five rows there are going to really enjoy that's how that we, show. That's how we do it in Kansas, y'all. Greasy. <laughs> but yeah, man. I and, and you know, again, I heard we spoke about this. I heard sort of like if you start doing these comparisons, eventually we're going to start talking about, like you said, Green Day, Nirvana, as these bands sort of being classic rock. Because whether anybody wants to admit it or not. It may be some of the last music that we have that is hard rock and considered edgy rock because whether you consider grunge to be grunge or not, it's all based on rock. Some of right. it's very metallic, obviously, uh, but you know, I, I can, I guess, I can see that as much as I don't consider because even when Green Day came out, I wouldn't consider that punk rock either. But uh, apparently, that's what it's called. I don't compare that to the '80s punk that myself and Riles listened to. There's no fucking way. It's just, it's different. It's, it's a little too tame. It's cleaner. They play actually knew how to play their instruments. <laughs> right. I, I think it had a lot to obviously sound production too. It didn't sound like some yeah. drunk dude's fucking house, you know, where they were just shooting uh, recording as fast as they could. But um Riles, have you seen any classic rock concerts? I mean classic rock artists. That's I kind of loaded that question up for you. That's what I'm saying. I know obviously we weren't going to we weren't going to concerts yeah. in '79 and shit like that. I'm just saying, <laughs> were you were you able to see any of them sort of in that window, like in the eight, late '80s maybe? Or yeah. oh shit, yeah. Um, Steve Miller, Kansas, Fleetwood Mac, um, shit. Who else? Cheap Trick, which you know they were in the '70s. So that's their classic rock now. Um, they are part of. They were part of that for sure. Yeah, Boston. Yeah, we saw Boston together. Yep. Um, damn, that's all I can probably remember right now. Well, that's good that you ended on that one because this is what's crazy. I mean, I'm talking about you know, it's it's obvious that we know that there isn't a whole hell of a lot, at least for us, a lot of new music where we go, where new music, we say to ourselves, wow, this is great. I'm going to latch myself onto this new band. Like I did Boston 
Journey or any of these other classic rock bands. So it's 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 understandable that throughout the 90s and even the 2000s, obviously, as we know, because we've seen Boston recently uh, and a few other classic rock bands recently, that they're still doing it really well. And this footage I found blew me away, it, not only not only from where it was shot, but just from the quality of it. So let's take a look at this. That voice, man. Yeah, man. Like, and considering that's 1995, Miami Arena, um, it's it's insane how how good he sounded, man. And and if you if you play that, go ahead and search for it. That that note that you hear at the end of that song in the recording studio is obviously extended with electronics. But he does a really, really good extension of that note, holding it for quite a while in that footage. I didn't want to put it in there because I didn't want to risk copyright or anything like that. But um, yeah, his voice is fucking insane. I, I I do regret not being able to ever see Delp in concert. Um, but you know, I I, I think uh, Tommy DeCarlo did a, does a really, really good job filling in without sort of trying to sound exactly like him. Although he's he's in the same Delp range, um, it's still pretty cool. I think to be able to see these bands. Uh, and obviously, you know, we don't want to get too deep into Kiss because as much, even though I'm loving the shirt, I'm wearing the shirt that we got at the uh, the uh, actually this might have been the farewell tour. Yeah. In uh, San Antonio. I still have the shirt uh, from the show you and I went to. Um, I consider them classic rock, but it's sort of a weird thing with for me with Kiss. I don't lump them in there with classic rock. Just I guess maybe because I'm too much of a fanatic. I'm, I suppose if you talk to somebody else who who has like an eight track compilation and they definitely have Kiss on there with other bands from the from classic rock era but i consider it to be a little bit different but um yeah but it's still, the same thing it's like it's, it's one of those bands that uh have been around so long that they have fallen now of course into the time frame that they're going to be considered classic rock and then yeah. it really comes back to like i was saying earlier that it's not about the band it's about the songs so with kiss in particular you're going to hear it over and over and over again. It's an iconic song, and it's going to be there forever. It's like Led Zeppelin's "Stairway." It's good, it, rock and roll all night. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's an iconic song. It's going to forever be lumped in with classic rock and people that are going to describe Kiss that are not necessarily super fans of the band per se, but appreciate all types of classic rock from that time. So yeah. this is kind of what I was saying earlier about it not necessarily being about a band, but it about being the songs that they make at the time that they make them. Because there are guys that made music in the 60s and 70s and 80s that when if I played the song, you would know it, but you would have no idea who the artist was. Because it was truly a one-hit wonder, but at the time they came out, they played that song, it got, it got airtime, it wound up being... A popular song and a part of what is going to be considered classic rock when you break down the eras like that you know and to get back what you were saying earlier with the you know green days and the nirvanas of the world um yeah that's pretty much the last rock and roll kind of genre of music that we've seen to this point of course that would be now considered classic rock and those songs are going to get airplay too 
but it's going to be, you know, Metallica, you know, songs off the Black Album and after. It's not going to be Metallica, Kill Em All. Like, they're not going to play that on classic rock stations. So, again, it's not the band, it's the songs. And those songs are what are going to be kind of picked at, you know. And the bands will all be there because they'll fit the time frame, but it's the songs that make it classic rock, you know. Definitely. And Kiss is as basic rock and roll as you can get. You know, they they weren't. They weren't influenced by many things other than the Beatles. The Beatles are very straightforward blues chords, very simplistic. They obviously, you know, spruced it up with a lot of, uh, you know, Acid. fire and blood. And oh. <laughs> I don't I think talking about the Beatles. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. The Beatles, when it comes to Kiss, I think they're more of a classic rock band at the time with a little punk and a lot of glam. I think they were probably one of the first bands like were influenced by the late sixties glam, early seventies and actually played rock and roll. So they kind of found that formula. Uh, and yeah, they were the battling New the New York dolls back in the day for like, right, right. like clubs I mean, in Amityville and shit. Yeah. But, I mean, they loved the glam side of it. So and that goes they, to bands they, that mix that. I like that too. That's a good yeah. point. So, so they also influenced, these hair metal bands going into the eighties kiss. Right. So I mean, right. yeah, is I love kiss like anybody else. Uh, I, I don't play them as much as I used to. I rather listen to their live stuff. Uh, but I, they were just as influential as any rock band of our generation when it comes to uh, introducing just that music to kids and getting them to play rock was kiss. Yeah. Right. The music might not have been fantastic, but their image was, and that's what brought people to buy their albums and listen to it. Right, right. And that's a good point to a band like Kiss that was able to kind of also play to the times that they were in. And some of their albums, album to album, as you guys know, can sound a lot different. And they were able to kind of usher in a new sound that I think a lot of bands played off of. You know, similar to what happened also in, you know, taking it back maybe a decade or so with uh, bands like Traffic and Blue Oyster Cult that kind of blended in some jazz into their rock as well. That kind of played off of that. Sort of Steve Winwood obviously spun off of that to, to make really, a, you know, his own style of music that I think a lot of jam bands kind of jumped into. So you see all different types of, of just kind of lineages coming off of that main music that still all stems from blues. But at the end of the day, you know, classic rock has really been a basis for a lot of that. And it kind of just splintered off to all these different things, whether it's punk or rock or, or you know, metal, um, all the way through to, to alternative Seattle, you know, grunge, whatever you want to call it, um, up into the mid late nineties, which is really, you know, like we're, we're talking about the kind of the end of rock and roll. And, and while we're listening to that, when we were growing up and um, in our twenties and thirties and as to where we were in the nineties, we were listening to what will be classic rock, you know, and essentially is considered now uh, to people that are much younger than we are. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, we're dating ourselves, huh? <laughs> that's the truth, man. I mean, that's the damn truth. I, I tell you what, it doesn't, it, I don't feel bad at all, man. I think, no, man. I think if you, you've got that little 10 year capsule between let's, let's just say 68 to 78 was pretty friggin' productive in terms of bands, sound changing yep. music, kind of getting away from like Bill, like Bill was talking about the, the glam of it, New York dolls kind of shit and making sure that they strip it all down and just play the music. So there was a couple different, not more than a couple different, but multiple movements happening at the same time that can all be considered 
uh, classic rocks. You know, you'll have your Southern rock, your Molly hatchet and, and things like that sitting right next to like an Aerosmith, but that's still sort of a Southern rock thing. But, you know, kiss had the accessibility where really anybody could listen to it because the, it was, the, you know, they were sort of the first media band where people were getting scared and they were like listening to it because they were afraid of it. You know, we can, we can compare early kiss like parasite and real heavy grooves to, to some of the stuff where they just sort of softened up in order to kind of get more accessible. And then eventually Dynasty rolls around, they're playing disco, and I'm like, fuck yourself. I can't Desmond do it anymore. Child. They hired Desmond Child. <laughs> this is yeah, why I think he, a lot of those one. fans, I think a lot of these fans were really so pressed to make anything at that time because you couldn't allow disco to continue. Well, disco you know, had uh, to die. Aerosmith did it in the 80s. They hired songwriters, and they got huge. They, I mean, their comeback, their set, part two of their comeback was probably – Money-wise and album-wise, bigger than their '70s stuff. Wow! Well, oh, that '90s shit they put out sold like unbelievable, crazy, dude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. I, I don't, I don't know. I can't really explain it either. I, I know that there was sort of like it, it had a lot to do with some movies that were happening, and then their videos they were putting out. And videos, there was yeah. a lot the videos of videos were big. Yeah, yeah the there videos was a, were definitely a lot of big. That pushed a lot of it. And I thought, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, love in an elevator is never going to be sweet emotion. You know what I mean? It's just right. like that's that's the the song for Aerosmith, and that's how they'll always be remembered. Will be songs like Dream On and Sweet Emotion, not mm -hmm. you know anything off of Pump or any of these other albums but, that but then, they made for money. Say you were born in 1979, uh, and you listen. This was that was the first Aerosmith you heard. Was you know. Um, Loving an elevator and dude looks like a lady, and you fell in love with those songs, and you're like, maybe listen to this back catalog, and you're like, eh, maybe not. That's, so that, that sounds so uh, old. <laughs> they, they might not like. We will remember Sweet Emotion and uh, Dream On and and all those, you know, Toys in the Attic, all the great Draw the Line, all that fucking really hard shit. And the train kept like, rolling. I, I rather hear dude looks like a lady. The, the generation after us. Right, so, right, right. It's sad, but it's I true. find it. I, I think it's interesting how I, I automatically would say to myself, I, I can't really, I don't love the 90s Aerosmith, but there's a couple songs that I actually do like. I won't see, I won't tell anybody what the fuck they are. So don't ask. <laughs> there's a couple that I'm like, I think Ragdoll was a fun song. Yeah, there's, but that's thing. what I mean. Like, they were, I mean, I thought that was pretty good. Um, and there I was had a pretty good video, man. That chick was pretty hot. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> The music, it and it was still the same kind of music. What my point was was that if you put the just the music and take put your hatred and, and disdain for that kind of Aerosmith aside and compare it to sort of like Trank Eparola and stuff like that, it's all in the same vein. It's all very rock and roll like it was. It's just as we got older and matured, we started thinking about Aerosmith as being this band back there. And for them all of a sudden to pop right. up at 92 and start like fucking playing music, we're like, nah, dude, you don't get that shot. You know, like <laughs> there's this new music happening. Okay. And I think all it's right, sort of a fight, like you're fighting history, you know, like right. at least that's what I was doing with Aerosmith in the 90s for sure. And 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 the, to that point, a band like Rush. I mean, Rush has also played music back in the 70s and all the way through into the 2000s, but their catalogs are amazing. Their music is amazing. Album after album 
It, and we might look back and, and say 2001, everything that's early from them is, is the classic rush and stuff that was later, presto, whatnot, is newer rush, but it's still rush. And at the end of the day, they will be considered a classic rock band. They already are, regardless of when that music came out. It could have come out in the 90s, but it's still classic rock. It's rush. It belongs there. Their music yeah, is I mean, that good. What's great about Rush is that they were musicians. They were three at the peak of all. I mean, Getty was the greatest bass player. You got the greatest drummer of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Hands Alex down. Was, Alex was so underrated. So Agreed. you had musicians. Uh, I really enjoyed their whole catalog. You'll find Rush fans who were before moving pictures, and then there's Rush fans after moving pictures when synthesizers started coming in. Yeah. I love it all. I don't care. I listen to uh, Grace Under Pressure just as much as I listen right. to I agree. Um, I agree. 4112 or Permanent yeah, Way. And some, and obviously being a Rush right. fan is someone that has to embrace the uh, evolution of that band and 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 be totally okay with Because there's definitely some songs where as a Rush fan, you're probably like, eh, I don't love it, but you're not going to be like, I hate it because the right. songs just have too much respect for the band. Now, in the early 80s, right. I was a huge Metallica fan. I loved Metallica, loved Megadeth. Yeah. And like, once after and we've talked about this at nauseum after injustice <laughs> for all i could care less about any Gone. of it so you could be that fan that is like you know what i love their old shit their new shit i don't care about so that's how i feel about metallica yeah yeah no i definitely yeah, and i saw somebody just disco. right somebody commented about david bowie I, absolutely we can't have a classic rock show and not mention bowie so bowie <laughs> Thanks, well, Mark. And I, I tell you what, Bowie influenced Kiss. There's the connection for sure. Right there. For sure. I mean, it, yeah, it's just absolutely that is good connection. Absolutely, they all are intertwined. Yeah, because obviously, yeah. The, what they wanted to do was build four characters that were uh, you know unlike themselves. That there was some sort right. of you know very Ziggy, like you say, and mm -hmm. and and being able to and even Alice Cooper, even though most people didn't know. Alice Cooper wasn't Alice Cooper out of the makeup. They just assumed he fucking lived with that snake, I guess. But that was a, you know, a simpler time back then where you can build yourself and, and build your uh, reputation just off of a few shows because people got photographed right. as opposed and, to... And, and he like, was a classic horror nut, Universal Monsters nut. And so he brought that on the stage. It's, I mean, he was one of the first theater musicians that would yeah. bring an actual play on stage you know it, it, he and he wrote some good songs too that didn't help that helped a little bit because if he didn't write anything good you wouldn't remember him so let's not right. take that away from him. but he brought like a show he was the first one to actually do a show right with all the props and explosions and heads chopping off and guillotines and all that stuff he scared the shit out of you but the yeah. music was fantastic and kids loved it i mean i would have loved alice cooper <laughs> in 1972 for sure. Yeah. yeah, rock theater, man. Rock theater yeah. definitely was a thing and a lot of bands that uh, that that started to follow and doing that same kind of stuff on stage. It's very true. I didn't get to see um I didn't get to see Alice Cooper until I want to say like maybe 6 or 7 years ago. I went with Jay and Russ. They came out here and we saw Cooper open up for Crew. And I just I was like I had to go. I was like fuck I'm, I don't want to go see Molly Crew anymore. <laughs> but I was like I've never seen Cooper do so I just took it. I bit it. And I was still blown away. And obviously, I've seen enough footage from back in the days to know that he he's obviously doing the same stuff he did back then, and it looked just as amazing. And and I think it was I think it was really cool that I at least got to experience that. Obviously, I didn't get to experience it in this in, in back in his heyday. But Cooper, to me, I think falls 
into that sixties movement. He's just sort of, he's just sort of like this dark figure among like the flower power light that was happening back then. And I, that's what I kind of lump him. And I know he's classic rock, but I, I don't necessarily consider him classic rock because of the, the theatrical form of him. But he, he, to me was sort of like a counterculture. He was very early punk rock. Like, I know you like this music, but I'm going to kill someone on stage. Is that cool? Like, I oh, you don't think it's cool. Fuck you. <laughs> I saw him in the late eighties. When he came out with that album, where like, what's that poison song was? Poison, it? yes. Oh, yeah. So he became big again. I he opened up for somebody. I forgot, but I did see him, and I thought, yeah, man, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think he show- mentioned uh, Aerosmith's resurrection as a reason why he did that. But go, go ahead, Ken. No, uh, finish your thought. Go ahead. Well, I, I think that was during that time in the '90s where classic rock bands. I think we're seeing Aerosmith coming back, and they were. You start seeing '92, '93. Some bands like obviously Alice Cooper that are putting out music that's a little dated, you know, like but but they're still trying to sell it. Obviously, by then ninety three, there was actually there was nothing scary about Alice Cooper in nineteen ninety, no. ninety one, ninety two. And, and another thing to remember, Bobby, uh, as these bands got older, I'm taking Rush, put them Rush aside. They wrote all their own stuff. All these classic rock bands that became big in the late eighties, early nineties again, for doesn't know how to write their own music anymore. They had to pay people to write their songs. Right. So you look yeah. at those liner notes, it's not that group writing those songs. Right. Aerosmith didn't write any of their hits, no. almost any of their hits in the 80s, yeah. and 90s. That's crazy. Can you manage? I mean, give you just trying to get a, like 4% of the publishing rights or the, or the writing rights to all that, man. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah, dude. but the pro- the problem is it became more more commercial than it became about the musician. And I feel yeah. like the music of the 60s and the 70s and stuff where you were actually able to put what was happening in the world to song through lyrics and and I feel that that message that would come across in the music also came across in the performances with these guys and that's to me the, the the feeling you get with that music. That's so much deeper and more meaningful than the stuff they tried to push across later in the '90s when it was just about selling albums. When we did right. still sell albums back then, that was also the last generation of doing that. But yeah. those that's all they were looking for. You know, the music wasn't meaningful to them anymore, to the band individually, and that could be felt. I feel by fans, the true fans of the band at that time. Alice Cooper is a perfect example of that for me. I hated all that stuff. Poison, that stuff he made for the uh, Friday the 13th movie that came back, that he's back. Uh, Terrible, 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 terrible music. I hear that stuff on there, uh, gone. I mean, I have satellites, so I listen to a lot of my old stuff, but I cannot stand. I like old Alice Cooper, but man, that guy should have not released any of that crap afterwards, in my mind. Ken, you make an interesting point about the, the, the mid to late 60s with these classic rock bands actually writing songs about what was happening in the world, um, about change and stuff. Um, I think that's never going to happen again because there's more outlets for young people now to get their feelings out. Back in the late 60s and early 70s, that's all they could do. There was no Twitter. There was no social media. Reporters didn't want to talk to you, especially if you had long hair. Nobody gave a shit about anything you had to say unless you're picketing in the streets. So these musicians are like, you know what? I'm going to get my word across by making some music and get people to listen to it and understand. They don't right. do that anymore. And it's probably never going to happen again. 
That's actually a really good point. And you also look at the type of music that we're looking at today, more electronic, um, less about um, instruments anymore. So I feel like the passion with a lot of musicians comes also from your instrument. A guitar player is passionate about his guitar. A drummer is passionate about his drums. You don't have that when you just have somebody sitting behind a keyboard and a computer and right. making music. There's no feeling to that. You can't sit at home, lift, put your headphones on and say, yeah, you know what? This music speaks to me. This music is what it, it tells my story and how I feel like we did listening to to metal back in the day or some people that got into punk. They got into it for the messaging. man. And we don't have that anymore. And you're right. That's a great point, Bill. And, and, and losing that feel is going to, to me, really make the music that's actually produced uh, be be a lot less enjoyable. And maybe I'm just the old guy saying, get off my lawn and I don't enjoy that kind of music anymore. And I like what I like, but I truly don't hear that that level of intensity in the music that shows it's really coming from the artist. Yeah. I, I'll count. I'm going to counterpoint you on that one. Just, j just a little section of what you said about how uh, I'm, I'm going to put it in a nutshell, but sort of like how the, the uh, expressiveness or sort of the storytelling or any of that, the heart and soul of the music doesn't seem to exist really anymore in music uh, or at least any with any new bands um, where I, I don't know if that's necessarily the truth. And I think maybe just because, uh, when you have a, obviously a new generation of people who are grown up on a on a mixture of different music, now you have to understand the people who are, uh, you know, you know, twenty years old now are obviously pretty young. They had a very weird group of music that they grew up listening to. We're talking about the '90s and the 2000s. So I believe maybe this newer generation is just in tune sonically to a different kind of wavelength of music, and, and it's all attached to culture. I believe it's all attached to now. Uh, commercialism, jingles, and all kinds of stuff, which would always kind of had an impact when we were growing up. But I just think it's so much more now. And I think maybe music does have feeling for a lot of people who make it now. I just don't think it's music that we feel anymore because we grew up listening to what the music that we're just talking about right now. Uh, there, it's gonna you'll be hard pressed to try and get somebody in their twenties right now to listen to any of the fucking music we just listed right now without listening to it and thinking of it as some sort of like a parlor, a parlor joke or some weird music you listen to, you know, smoking weed in a firebird when you're nine or something like there's, there's, it's, it's definitely some weirdness I'm, I'm guessing. Uh, but I still think there's feeling in music now to, to, to people or else maybe they wouldn't be making it. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think the feeling is, the feeling is different now than it was say yeah. five years ago, because it's more of a, they're, they're more, instead of a message of words and lyrics, it's more of a message of beats. Like, the kids nowadays, it's all about the beats. They don't even give a shit about, there's no message in the song because half the time you don't even know what the fuck he's saying. It's going through an, uh, some sort of an electric uh, synthesizer through the Apple computer. And so there's no reason to have a message when if you make a good beat, that's what's making people feel alive. Back then it was a combination of it, but it was more so, I'm going to pull this lyric sheet out. I'm going to hear what this guy has to say. And you go, wow, he's opening up my mind. I understand what he's feeling. Now it's more of a beat and a, a more of a physical feeling and not a mental feeling. And maybe that's something that it just goes over my head. I mean, I get beats and understandings of good music like that. I definitely do. Um, but at the same time, I, I feel, I guess I'm more attached to lyrics. But And, and Bob, to your point earlier, um, I love Vietnam era music. I didn't grow up at that time. So those words That's don't necessarily true. speak directly to me to where I could say, oh, yeah, I remember those hardships. But I definitely feel 
the emotion in the music. And that's more what I'm talking about than than necessarily the, that we grew up in. It was talking about our time in particular. It's more about being able to feel that in the music. And and you're right, I'm probably incorrect in saying that no new music has that because it probably does. And I'm thinking, I guess, more what's top 40, what's the biggest music. And I don't know, I'm probably wrong about that too. It's just not my music. There's probably plenty of lyrics. I'm sure Taylor Swift does a great job talking about her ex-boyfriends and her songs. And I know she writes her own music and, and give her a lot of props for doing that. But it's not my music. I'm not interested. So I don't really feel it. It's just the same. And again, that could just be me, but the emotion uh, says a lot. And you know what? <clears throat> I'm going to name one real quick right now, actually, because okay. I actually have a band that I feel, and it's a newer band, so it doesn't fit our classic rock too much, um, but maybe not that new, but Alabama Shakes. That's the band where you listen to that woman sing, man. That woman's got emotion to her. And that's, you know, so there are a few, I guess, out there I got to give a little bit of sound to, but Alabama Shakes, my, my wife of all people turned me on to this band, um, but but there's emotion there. Again, I felt it like I hadn't felt that in a while listening to bands when but I listened Ken, to that band. But Ken, Alabama Shakes have been around for over 20 years. Has it been they 20 were, now? I, I was going right. to say, I don't know how new they are, but... So they were influenced <laughs> still by new. before them. So they're still in that generation of kind of rock and hard countries you know Damn. i didn't know they've been around songwriters <laughs> all right then i still don't like new shit then all right there you go that's, that's the best i could find and it didn't even fit the category man sorry <laughs> oh there you go you found it that's stanky that's I'm stanky you, right there you, yeah, got that. you can tell who she's influenced by right there of course 100 percent, and the music i love and that's why i feel it with her so yeah. when she sings i feel it i feel what she's been influenced from and i like it so i guess that goes back to taste maybe well, that's and what I, connection that's what i feel about amy winehouse i mean you listen to her sing you're like holy shit this this that's soul yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. and it was, it reminded me of the, you know, Ella Fitzgerald and Sinatra. I fucking love her, dude. I, I mean, love her to death. I totally agree. I totally agree. So it does exist, but we got to reach a little harder to find it. Right, right. <laughs> it's not everywhere. It's, it's that's, the, that's the truth. Yeah. And, and I don't, I know that there's a, there's a new wave of sort of singer songwriter that we've been seeing with, with the uh, evolution of, you know, shows like The Voice and American Idol where people are, you know, I think those shows as shitty as they can be are sort of still keeping the vein of songwriting right. musicianship mm -hmm. in some right. way alive where, where, you know, we don't really have a lot of hope. Well, uh, I'll, I'll name <laughs> somebody, Bobby. Um, and I'm not a fan, but I've heard some of his song, songs and he writes his own songs and he's got a message and whatever message it is, it gets across is that guy, Ed Sheeran. Now, yeah. I don't like his- Multi-millionaire for sure. Yeah, but <laughs> you, if you sit down and listen to a song, He's giving you a message. He's telling you something that he's feeling what's coming through in his song. Um, like I said, I don't like it, but he is he writes his own music, plays guitar, he does it all. So you got to give that guy props. Too. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Anybody who writes their own music and plays an instrument, you you already I'm already on board with you, man. Yeah. I give you props right there, right there. What about Heart? Heart. Heart's awesome. <laughs> Heart is like Led Zeppelin 2.0. If, yeah, if yeah. anybody, <laughs> yep, and, and some amazing versions of Led, Ze Led Zeppelin I've heard through Heart, but yes, I've, they're definitely part of that 
Iconic. Uh, I don't think we skipped over that. It's just that if we want to go ahead and start talking about every damn band that has to do with classic <laughs> rock, we, we're going to try and not go over an hour tonight, and we'll be doing three hours if we're going to have to talk about all of them. But Simon's Hart, right. Simon's right. Hart yeah. should be there. Bowie should be there. Mark, thank you earlier for mentioning. So anyone else that uh, thinks of something we're forgetting about, throw it on out there. Go ahead. And this is a good point here, too. We're talking about cheering and stuff, so let's get off of that. Mark Siegel saying that his older son didn't like rock until he played Guitar Hero. And, uh-huh. and let me, I want to just, before I, I'm not going to get on a tangent here about this. Let me just say, before my wife purchased these electronic drums that I have, these Elises that I've had for years now, and they're great, and they really let me play drums the way I want to, uh, I didn't have any way of playing that until I started picking up Guitar Hero and Rock Band, more, more specifically Rock Band, as a drummer, out of all the instruments and those rock band things that are all very quirky and stupid the drums are really the only ones that are sort of correct and and give you rudimentary uh correctness when you're playing that so you're playing hi-hat depending on what hand you play with and it's all very accurate i really really attribute my ability to 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 keep playing drums to rock band but also i attribute rock band with the ability to show a new generation old guitar rock which basically guitar hero could have just been called classic rocker you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, cause that's mm-hmm. all that shit is in there, you know, mixed in some tenacious D and stuff, which is all very rock and roll too. Um, and, and definitely, um, I think they had a really, really big impact. I'm glad you brought that up because they, they introduced Bobby, a new energy. Huge impact because the, 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 uh, music school after school programs are being closed. Nobody cared about music and playing an instrument. And then these kids, these video game generation kids, Picked up one of these and like, oh, if I can do this on this fake guitar, I'm going to try a real guitar. And they did. So it right. kind of saved musicianship for a yeah. good 15 years. Right. Yeah. I think maybe Dr. Brian mentioned something about that and something he wrote a long time ago. And I remember talking to him. I remember having the sort of the same idea at the same time and agreeing with him. He's he he's I think he mentioned it, too, about how it was just sort of instrumental in keeping kids in this pivotal time where music was just becoming LimeWire. Uh, you know, you just download that shit all you want. You, they were still able to get licensing rights for some of these songs and give music to the artists for including themselves on these on these video games. And then having someone come in and, and, and that's never heard of it all of a sudden be able to play it. Like someone just mentioned, Brian mentioned, thank you, Greta Van Fleet. That's another good example of sort of an, obviously we know exactly who we can tie them to, but there's also other bands like uh, like Wolf Mother and, and some other bands that sort of sound like a new version of like uh, Black Sabbath and stuff like that. And there, so I think there's going to always be, there was just such a good impact of classic rock during that time where I think no matter what throughout the generations, there'll be a copycat of that time. I don't think anyone's lining up to like recreate the sound of aha other than the weekend. Like I just showed you, because I think that's what the joke of that video was like. This is basically a rip off of, of aha dude. And everyone's right. buying it because the sound of the eighties is back. Right? Right. And it's a, it's I, love, I love that song blinding lights by the weekend, but guess what I bought off of iTunes. I bought the, I bought the music and not the lyrical one. Because it reminded me of an 80s soundtrack, like Tangerine Dream, uh, the, uh, all those old uh, 80s, like uh, Georgia Marauder. Dude, um, when I first heard it, I, was I automatically was like, GTA Vice City. Yeah, so good. <laughs> so I bought it without the, the lyrics. They had one that you can buy without him actually singing on it. It was just the music. I bought it. <laughs> and it's super fucking simple, dude. And like I yeah. said, it's just sort of a morph of Take On Me from AHA, but right. it's built in that same way where like, 
you know, and I think it's kind of what's amazing. He's definitely a guy that we can talk about, not classic rock, not attached to any of it, but just one of those guys who is making music that is different than what the generation is making right now. And it's attached to the shit we grew up on in the eighties. And so right. he's got us listening to them too, you know, which right. is genius. If you think about it, I mean, that we're, we might be the last generation who would be totally okay paying for music. Right. That's true. It's, and that's, the, that's what I think is going to happen eventually anyway, is like everything, man, it's going to get to the point where the kids are going to start wanting to research more of the classic stuff. And then the, those beats and those sounds become popular again. And I think you are going to see more of that. And it's going to, it's going to be the next transition of music. And what's the next blend of music to where you could maybe bring some of these electronic artists in to this, uh, to music as well, to, to, to real instruments and, and, and blend this music once more to try to bring people in like myself that back in the day, you know, having rock added to rap got me into rap. So now if you've got people that are into electronic, maybe we blend that into rock somehow and they all, you know, and maybe kind of like what The weekend is doing, I guess, in, in taking some of those types of familiar tracks to those of us that, you know, grew up with those sounds. So, um, you know, who knows where it's going to go next, but I do believe at some point there could be and should be hopefully a resurgence of this type of music because it is so good and it's still music that I think is timeless and that will keep even with today um, as long as people get a chance to hear it. You know, you, you see those uh, videos with guys listening to music that they never hear before for the first time and wigging out at it. You know, there's a lot of great music that they would do that too. And I think more people hear that and the more the younger crowd hears some of that stuff. I think, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe it's just hopeful uh, for me, but uh, I'm hoping that music does make a comeback in some way or another. Yeah, well, um, movies and TV commercials right. are helping right. that too. Yep, you're right. You're right. We are a highly marketable generation. Mm -hmm. Yes, we are. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. As long as we're still alive, really, because <laughs> there's no one to market this shit to after we're dead. Right. That's a good point. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's a great. That's the point of we're the a night li right A living there. commodity, Can't, baby. Don't market, don't market anything to the dead. Yeah. Good job. So if it, the the casually serious podcast is not complete ever, unless we come up with some sort of list, a la high fidelity or any other top three, top five that we usually talk about. So uh, as a guest of the show, Riles, if you had to compile three bands that encompass classic rock, what are they? What is your classic rock concert must have three bands? Okay, now you're talking my favorite classic rock artist, not what I consider a classic rock band. Right. Well, we're going to do it because it's going to be all about who we think. So, yes, it's going to be obviously a personal thing. So tell us personally. Okay, obviously Led Zeppelin number one. Right. So they're headlining. Oh, no, fuck yeah, they're headlining. Okay. <laughs> um, God I don't know if you want to consider them rock, but they are kind of rock. It's I want to see Pink Floyd and their original group playing Animals, nineteen seventy-seven, in its entirety. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're more psychedelic rock. You see, you're putting classic rock. There's so many different genres of classic rock. Uh, there's glam classic rock. There's prog classic rock. Rush. Um, so I'm just telling you what who I would want to have seen. Um, Answer the question, Claire. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. See, this is the challenge in this. It sounded all very casually Cadbury A like I got this, dude. Three fucking bands. Let's roll with it. You can't would, say one without would, shitting on another. 
I, I would probably put Sabbath, the original lineup of Sabbath, ah, in the five, in, in the number three. Okay. So what you said had you had Zeppelin uh, and uh, Sabbath and Floyd, Floyd? Is that what Sabbath. you're saying? Yeah. All right, Ken Man. Top three must-have bands playing oh, yeah, at your yeah, classic yeah. rock concert, mm. circa 1979. Oh, we're doing, we're doing three. Three. I'm gonna and, go. And I, would, and I would, I would let Jimi Hendrix do a 10-minute opener. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up, baby? I'm just gonna I play some guitar, baby. You just stole my guy, man. You just stole my guy. I was gonna, I was actually gonna he have Hendrix as yours. my headliner. Hendrix nice. is my headliner anyway, so he could have two minutes at Bob's uh, Bill's show real quick, and then he's going to jump over and headline mine. Um, I'm going to have CCR in there for sure, man. I absolutely love Credence, man. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll put them in there. Um, Almond Brothers, I'll round out as my third. Good choice. Wow, that's pretty heavy, Almond. I don't think we spoke. I don't think we spoke about them. Uh, I I think mine are pretty easy. I, I would I'm going to go with Led Zeppelin for sure. I'm going with Boston. And I, I wanted to say Floyd, but again, I think they're like, think, uh, I think they are a little prog rock. Tammy pointed out they are a little proggy. They're definitely different. I think it's a shift. So we're going to go Led Zeppelin, um, Boston and God, man, that's tough, man. <laughs> I don't want to go against, I, I don't want, when I think about it, I, I think I do think of Jimmy too, but I don't know, man. I, I think, I think I have to throw CCR in there. So it'll be CCR and then Boston opening up for Led Zeppelin. That's my uh, that's go. my ultimate Good classic show. rock sound rainbow uh, right then and there. I saw John right. Fogarty about 15 years ago. He was fucking awesome. Yeah, that still counts, I think, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a sound. It's it's the sound. Yep. It's the sound that you're, you're looking sound. for. <laughs> yep. There's no one that can, I don't think I can jump in there and sing that. I mean, if no. you wanted to, I could have easily told you the Doors, fucking Hendrix, and Janis Joplin. Like, I mean, sure. so absolutely. That is pure classic rock. But I just gave you three that I care about more. Yeah, and I know. Up, I think that. Yeah, and I believe the Doors are sort of. It's, I don't know. The Doors are classic rock for sure. To me, it's yeah. a, they have like sort of a specialty mark in my head where I don't sort of drop them in there with those bands. I guess maybe because of the story around them, the personality with Jim and all that shit. That could be the reason why. And again, another reason why I don't think Pink Floyd is classic rock, but they are. But it's trippy shit. You know what I mean? Just like it's like, it's like there's, there's there's two Beatles too, and I like the trippy Beatles. I don't like the Love Me Do shit. So right. there's evolutions <laughs> of all these sounds. Um, and uh, before we get out of here, thanks so much for everybody that, that came and hang out. We actually had quite a few viewers at some point. Uh, for those of you that hang out, hung out with us the whole entire 53 minutes so far, thank you so much from Brian Smith from hanging out from the beginning. Tammy, obviously, Simon. Um, uh, we got Mark kind of peppered in there as well. Definitely be red. What is up? Be red. You should be getting that in the mail very soon. Um, again, I think most of the folks, as, as, as Ken Man points out, most of the folks that watch this show are, are probably around our age. Uh, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older. It doesn't really matter. So I think the content right here, everyone can relate to because like, like Riles pointed out, uh, we're commercialized everywhere. This music that we grew up on is attached to usually every GMC truck commercial, probably, right? Don't you think that had mm -hmm. at least one classic rock band in every one of those commercials? And beer um, commercials. Beer. Beer's another one. Mm -hmm. I, I imagine if they could make cigarette commercials that we'd be attached to that too. Mm -hmm. um, there's a band also that I want to mention before we get out of there that is in that classic rock realm that we didn't really touch on. 
and that has connections to like Jimi Hendrix, and that is Journey. Journey. Um, I think really they, and I think because of the popularity point of that band and the music that was popular, I don't think a lot of people, I think some of us might think of it as sort of rock ballad or uh, arena rock arena or something rock. like that. Yeah, arena but rock. Mm-hmm. That shit's, there's a lot of classic dude, like, you know, there Stone is. in Love, and there's a lot of, I mean, no, it's great music of, there. Neil Sean. Neil Sean's yeah. in one of my, is the top five. My favorite guitarist in my top five, Neil Sean. That's how mm-hmm. that guy shreds on every friggin' song. Yep. I'll take it. I'll take another member of that band. I will say Steve Smith is easily in my top ten all-time drummers, yeah. even though yeah. he was recently great. fired. Right. Steve Smith was mm-hmm. fucking great, man. For for you know, Neil Peart went to him for some advice. There's some there's some pretty cool stories about that, uh, and Aldridge as well, Tommy Aldridge and all that stuff, but. Uh, yeah, man, it's uh, classic rock is a great portion. Uh, there's a I have a huge Spotify playlist that I have um, that I've compiled over the years that I add to every once in a while when I hear music. I'm probably going to go start adding CCR to it because I don't have enough of that. Um, Can't have enough. Yeah, there's just nothing but uh, nothing but good memories, at least in my mind. It, it, and just like anything else, I believe it's where you were when you were listening to it. So classic rock reminds me of South Florida, um, you know, all throughout my life in South Florida, but probably a little bit closer to the time when it was a little bit more rednecky in South Florida. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was more of a classic rock vibe out there. Not to say that ever died, but you know, when the eighties came Miami, Florida changed a lot. Um, but it all reminds me of South Florida because of the awesome memories attached to it. Um, well, South yeah, Florida's man. sister played it there, played it all the time. So. Yes. Shout out to Mike and Joanne for real. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's a good point, man. You know, it's sort of in that music was popular at the time, but they made sure to pass that down to us. I mean, I do remember opening up this album uh, and cracking it open. I think it might have been Mike's version of it because I don't know if we were buying Boston albums. I think we were probably Van Halen buying a lot of that stuff a little bit later, more so. I remember um, pushing that eight track in Mike's Trans Am into the into the. <laughs> that's some good shit right there, man. Yep. Those things are worth a lot of money right now. But uh, anyway, Rob. Go ahead. I was going to say that's how I got started actually with classic rock was records just flipping through my dad's. I had a little Fisher Price record player and I would go and grab my dad's big records to put on that thing. You know, Black yeah. Sabbath, they had Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin. So just looking through those records of uh, both my mom and dad's collection was uh, was pretty cool. But that's like you said, it's where you are, what it brings you back to. And that's what it brings me back to is way back into my childhood and and knowing that I kind of got my love of that music uh, from my parents, which is which is awesome. For anyone, before we go, for anyone, and I'm going to list it because you just reminded me of them. Is there one band that you could consider classic rock that you absolutely do not like? I will go first. Rolling Stones. Oh, I yeah. fucking love the Stones. <laughs> oh shit, the Stones. That's what I'm saying, good, man. And, but but then I can I can name five songs that I really like from them. But this is okay. what I'm saying. There's, I don't <laughs> I don't love them as a band, but there's five songs I really I, I give them credit for the influence and the massive catalog but i just don't love them overall as a band mm-hmm. i don't own any rolling stone shit i will never right. seek out any rolling stones music ever i know there's some that if i hear it i'm like that's pretty cool i guess is there anyone that you think about ken man that you're like eh, i don't really vibe with them well it, it's funny you say rolling stones because i felt that way up until the bridges of babylon tour that i was lucky enough to see at the orange bowl and okay. that show changed my mind at the rolling when i saw them live at that show i was like never mind because first of all i realized how many songs they have that i know and i also watched an incredible performance in that show it sounded great it looked great 
I, I was a Stones fan after that. Another band I disliked was The Doors up until the movie for some reason. Hated The Doors. Movie Del came Kilmer, out, saw the movie, and I absolutely loved The Doors after the movie. So those don't quite work because those were ones I didn't like until at such time. I have one, though, for sure. No doubt. The Who. I cannot stand oh, I, The Who. I don't want to hear The Who. Too. Anything you play from The Who, can you could chuck that shit. I don't care. Tommy, your fucking opera, whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Get the fuck out. Okay, I don't Tommy, need get the, the Who. Fuck out of here. Out of here, Ken. You took my you took my band. I fucking hate the Who. I do like one Sorry. song from them called "It's Eminence Front." That's, That's it. a great song. It's a fucking mm. great song. And there's a few yeah. that are good, but then again, it because because it's Townsend forward. That's why. <sighs> I think right. I think I think Daltrey. I fucking hate Daltrey. Matter of fact, I, I just remember him saying something like eight years ago or out six years ago out here in Denver. I won't play Denver because there's nothing but a fucking potheads in the fucking in the crowd, and I don't want to smell that shit all night long. And I was like, fuck you, you suck then, you suck now. <laughs> right. You're not getting any fucking money from me. So and that's he, that's and they hated Led Zeppelin. The Who <laughs> hated Led Zeppelin. That's they ripped right him there. in the friggin' press, and they're like, right there and there, I hated fucking The Who. I didn't even know that, and I hate him more now no. for knowing that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Any more ammunition. And before we go... What the hell? No, the sound is real simple, dude. It says, back it All right, then. Well, we ran. We ran a little late. Whatever. All That's right. life, man. We hit the hour. <laughs> Riles, thank you, you so much, man. You didn't let me say who my pick was. Oh, I thought you got thought Ken stole it. Go ahead now. You did, but Bruce fucking Springsteen. <laughs> Fuck Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good. I'm all I'm I'm in the John Cougar camp. Fuck Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> I don't care what street his band is from. It never, it, 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 the band never resonated. I'm glad you said that, Bill, because that's yeah. the truth, man. There's, yeah. but then again, it could, I don't know if it was the music. I just thought maybe, I think growing up, I thought Bruce tried too hard. I think Bruce yeah. tried too hard in situations where John Cougar was just like, Ugh! just fucking doing his thing. And I'm like, that shit's cooler. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> that's more Americana for me. You know who else I hate? Jimmy uh -oh. Buffett sucks. Oh, <sighs> I, can't, I can't go there. I can't go there. Sorry. Sorry, man. Sorry. I'm a parrot head. I love my I love me some Jimmy, man. I'm sorry. I, I gotta tough. disagree on that one. Overplayed growing up. That's oh, it's definitely overplayed. Say. No doubt overplayed, but I I love Jimmy, man. He's fun. That's just fun music. As a native Floridian, you are either going to absolutely love Jimmy Buffett or absolutely <laughs> or hate him. <laughs> my wife, the director, I do hate Gloria Stefan. <laughs> I do too. Yeah, we can. We're gonna. We could just get on a list on who we hate in the '80s too, because yeah, anything has to do with Miami Sound Machine, I'm fucking out of here. Oh, Gloria Stefan's a fucking god. <laughs> Fuck Gloria. <laughs> Gloria. All right, guys. Riles, thanks for coming and hanging out, yep. man. I appreciate it. We couldn't really have a classic rock show without having you in here, simply because you had a lot of influence on me musically over throughout my life, anyway. But especially during that very. Um, necessary time when classic rock was getting popular to us but i thought you were gonna uh, say that was the old one in the group here <laughs> oh come on you actually look younger than probably all three of us eh. okay dad, dad passed <laughs> on some jeans man um ken man you got anything to say before we get out here man 
No, just thanks again for everybody that uh, chimed in to check us out, and uh, you know, look look forward to seeing y'all guys, y'all in here next week, nine thirty, same time. We'll have some uh, some new music to talk about. I think we're gonna probably, I don't know, who knows? I'm not even gonna try to predict what we're gonna talk about, but it's probably gonna be something musical, more than likely. We might wrap up the mixtape. I don't know that little that little uh, foam part in the center of the mixtape. I think it's starting to pop up. There we pop go. Off. And once yeah. that goes away, unless you can cut off a piece of eraser and scotch tape it in there, it really will never sound the same. So we might have to stop it at four. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so don't no miss it. Don't miss no, it. Be here next week. No mixtape is a good mixtape without air supply, though. <laughs> yes. We are all out of time supply. as they are all out of love. <laughs> nice. Guys, have a have a great night, guys. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us at the Casually Serious Podcast, a.k.a. TCSP, the mixtape. We are rocking with the classics tonight. Leave us some messages. Come visit us on, uh, on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Just look for us on Casually Serious Podcast. You can Google us. Google it. You're going to see this 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 awesome uh, this awesome creation that Tammy did for us uh, on, as our logo. So anyway, folks, you all have a great night. Thanks for hanging out with us. Take care. <laughs>